This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, the Inflation Reduction Act is now law, leaving about 20 EV models with tax credits. BMW is getting Tesla-like cylindrical batteries from a Chinese supplier. And Hydroflux capacitors, the revived DeLorean Motors faces claims of stolen intellectual property. Plus, we'll take a look at the rise and fall of LMP Automotive as the company heads towards liquidation. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. President Joe Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. Now we're finally getting some clarification about which models will and won't qualify for tax incentives. The Biden administration says about 20 models will still qualify for electric vehicle tax credits of up to $7,500 through the end of 2022. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation says the new law immediately ends incentives for about 70% of the 72 models that qualified before yesterday's bill signing. Those include all EVs sold by Toyota, Hyundai, Kia, Porsche, and others that are not assembled in North America. You can find more, including a list of the 20 EVs that may still qualify, on autonews.com. BMW has two models on that list of qualifying 2022 vehicles. Meanwhile, the German automaker is adopting new technologies for its EVs. Reuters reports that BMW will receive large cylindrical batteries for its electric models in Europe from China's EVE Energy. That's according to two people with knowledge of the matter who spoke with Reuters. BMW follows Tesla in adopting the new technology. EVE has signed contracts to be the automaker's primary supplier of the battery cells in Europe for EVs due to go on sale in 2025. They will focus on mid-sized premium models, such as BMW's 3 Series. The Biden administration is awarding nearly $1.7 billion in grants for cities and states that buy zero-emission buses. The U.S. Transportation Department says the grants will fund 1,100 buses, which would nearly double the number on the roads now. It says the funding for 150 bus fleets from the trillion-dollar infrastructure law will help cities and states retire older, polluting buses. The funding will also buy an additional 700 buses that are arguably cleaner, though not all electric, such as hybrid electric, natural gas, and diesel models. And Karma Automotive is suing DeLorean Motors reimagined, alleging it stole the luxury electric vehicle company's intellectual property. According to the suit, Karma was in the process of negotiating a partnership with DeLorean Motors to electrify the reinvented DeLorean vehicle when the defendants formed a new company and took confidential Karma materials. In a statement obtained by Automotive News, DeLorean Motor Company CEO Yost DeVries said that the project died due to Karma's inability to fund or produce deliverables necessary to move talks forward with its company. He says DeLorean Motors Reimagine is a completely new entity with a completely different electric model, which is unrelated to his company's low-volume replica project. Karma attorney Jesse Coleman told Automotive News that Karma aggressively protects its intellectual property rights, including its trade secrets. 
but declined to comment further on the case. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we got the details now of the Inflation Reduction Act. It's now law. We spoke yesterday about how Rivian and Lucid were trying to kind of, I guess, lock in their customers. What does this all mean now? Yeah, you know, the Rivian and Lucid vehicles are all still eligible through the end of the year. Maybe they were trying to rush their customers or strong arm them into uh, signing a contract and committing on the spot. But in their defense, you know, there was a lot of confusion. A lot of people weren't really sure what was changing on the day that Biden signs it when it's enacted versus when the law actually goes into effect or the new tax credit goes into effect January 1st. So there was some confusion there. I spoke with a dealer yesterday afternoon who literally had no idea what it really meant for his brand. And I think there was a lot of that going on throughout the entire industry. And that may have been part of what was feeding the confusion at Rivian and Lucid. Coming up, a look at the dramatic collapse of LMP Automotive. That's next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine that, you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's you know really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's rey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. LMP Automotive's emergence starting in 2017 was about as surprising as its precipitous fall. The Fort Lauderdale company went public at the end of 2019 and bought its first franchise dealerships in March of last year. But its ambitious growth plans soon unraveled, and now it's likely heading toward liquidation. Our own Jack Walsworth and Melissa Burden have been covering LMP's rise and fall. I spoke with Jack about it and what caused the retailer's decline. Here's our conversation. Jack Walsworth, welcome back to Daily Drive. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. You've been covering buy sells and retail consolidation uh, for like a year now. And one of the really fascinating stories uh, you have in this week's issue is about this company, LMP, publicly traded, almost like a holding company for auto dealers. They wanted to partner with dealers and buy some dealerships and kind of get in on this really profitable industry. Just a couple of years ago, this was a high-flying startup, and now they've come out with a liquidation plan. <laughs> They're just going to wash their hands and go home. What happened? What was what was the strategy, and, and where did it go wrong? Right, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy two-year timeline for them. So they kind of uh, merged 
not out of nowhere. They, the company had formed in 2017, went public in 2019, uh, starting off with some other ventures and then decided to get into franchise dealerships. And, you know, from pretty early on, they were pretty ambitious and said, hey, we want to we want to buy a lot of stores. And at one point, even said they wanted to have anywhere from 80 to 100 uh, dealerships by the end of this year, 2022, which uh, at the time was very ambitious. A lot of people uh, in the business experts all kind of came out and said, that's that's a really aggressive target. You know, one guy even said, whoever's running the company must take notes from Elon Musk. But, uh, you know, there was <laughs> definitely a lot of attention grabbing statements. And, you know, they did start making progress on that goal. They did buy some stores, their first franchise dealerships in March of 2021, kind of started out small. I believe their first stores were in West Virginia, then they went into Florida. Um, but they, you know, they kind of started making baby steps uh, along the way to what they wanted to have. But, you know, not too long after or not too far into 2021, some stuff started to slow down. They had announced some deals to acquire some more stores in other markets, and those were either getting delayed or the deals were terminated. So that's not always a great sign for a company trying to grow. And really the last, you know, six, eight months or so, it's been setbacks after setbacks, things of that nature. And, you know, the biggest news now is that they're selling most of their remaining dealerships, but that they're also pursuing a liquidation plan. So, you know, pretty much in a two-year window, they've gone from, you know, very ambitious to we're about to, sounds like, uh, see the end of this company. Yeah. You know, there was earlier on, there was so much money flying around in the market, a lot of fast money being invested and dealers were really proven money makers. Uh, but it isn't that easy to run dealerships or to, or to buy them because you're competing with so many other smart players and, you know, borrowing these large sums of money looks easy sometimes uh, <laughs> from afar, but often isn't, isn't quite that easy. And that was, like you said, some of the deals that then they couldn't, couldn't pull off the way they had intended, it seemed like maybe maybe they couldn't fully fund them, and that was a, a kind of a setback, and just kind of lost that momentum as they were trying to get get going so big so fast. It also seemed like maybe they got a little top heavy, kind of building up almost more of an apparatus of a big company before actually becoming a big company. It was this was the one that they they bought a company plane, right? Yeah, there's also that too that had come out in a regulatory filing that they'd spent. It was around, I believe, $4 million on a private jet. And this was at a time when they were starting to see deals fall through and some other you know, setbacks. So kind of seemed like a questionable uh, decision for a company that was struggling in other areas of its businesses. So yeah, not always the best of headlines. For them. Yeah, no, it wasn't a good look. And when you get to the point where you have to sell the company plane, it, it shouldn't be a big surprise <laughs> that liquidation is not far, right. <laughs> far down, the, down the road. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at this. And I'm thinking about rising interest rates, you know, the, the Fed's raising interest rates. They're worried about inflation. We're seeing a lot of, you know, we're seeing the used car market be really challenging for a lot of dealers. And then there's a lot of talk about recession risk. And I'm wondering, is this a sign? Is LMP kind of a sign that the buy-sell market is cooling and maybe this isn't going to be so frothy by next year? I would say you know, probably not. I think LMP is kind of a unique player in the buy-sell market. You know, obviously their their goals didn't happen and they're selling. But you know, outside of LMP, the, the buy sell market seems to remain very active. You know, the key player Lithia continues to acquire stores, but also other publics like Asbury. You know, they've come out and said that they're still going to be shopping, um, and we're still getting a lot of deals from you know smaller private groups that are buying one or two stores. Um, you know, and some people that are 
newish to the business are still buying outside of LMP. The mark, the buy sell market still seems to keep chugging along. I mean, every every day it seems like uh, Melissa and I uh, both get uh, acquisition announcements. So we haven't seen anything yet to indicate that the the buy sell market is is starting to to falter. Yeah, it's still a very attractive industry, and there's uh, there are the strategic reason as well as just buy buy a business and make money off of it, but strategic advantages to putting stores together, making bigger groups. I mean, that's certainly what what Lithia and Asbury are up to, and and a lot of all the a lot of the smaller and midsize companies that want to get bigger to be more profitable. Definitely seems like there's still some legs there, but a curious one. So LMP. Um, before it can liquidate, it still has some outstanding legal matters. It's got some lawsuits uh, incoming and outgoing. <laughs> I don't know how much, how far those have to be along before they can proceed toward liquidation. But I did want to ask, I mean, so the board has recommended that shareholders uh, vote for a liquidation plan. When will they get to do that? What's the, what's the plans for a, a special shareholders meeting? Uh, so the official word is TBD. So even in LMP's regulatory filings from last week, as part of these announcements, uh, they did indicate that the meeting has not been scheduled yet. At this point, it's anyone's guess. Or until LMP comes out and gives us a date, I guess we really don't know. But I would have to guess sooner rather than later, just because you know it's just how these things work. And uh, I believe that the sale to Atlantic Automotive they said is supposed to close by October 31st. So you know I would imagine this uh, shareholders meeting will happen you know in the near future. One more thing I have to ask you or have to bring up, you know, the LMP presented this liquidation, at least concept or, you know, the idea that they believe that's the right path and proposed, you know, suggested basically there would be, you know, a payback, a return to the investors around $11 a share, you know, give or take 50 cents or so. And since then, the stock has moved from like $7 or so to maybe $8. Looks like maybe there's some confidence that liquidation is the right play, but maybe not full confidence that it's going to generate everything that uh, that that the LMP directors think it will. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Um, it's also worth noting that the CEO uh, Samir Tafik owns about a third of the company stock, or he did as of May. That's the most recent uh, filing that we had, um, so he would get a decent payout uh, as well. And be highly motivated to uh, to make sure shareholders get yes. <laughs> get as much back as they can. Definitely. Definitely. Excellent. All right. Jack Walsworth, buy sell reporter here at Automotive News. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jamie. Jack Walsworth is a reporter covering dealers for Automotive News. You can find his coverage of LMP's downfall with our own Melissa Burden at autonews.com and in our latest print edition. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on retail, EV tax incentives, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.